Welcome to Taiwan Report News Brief, news and analysis from Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. All right, up today in the program, more students to be allowed to return. A push to abolish two branches of government grows. Taiwan still wants to join the WHO in spite of the U.S. withdrawal. The Taiwan government plays a joke on British Columbia. Mind Joe weighs in on the 1992 consensus. Will the Dalai Lama visit? A rock star in the legislature is pushing for that to happen. The head of the FBI accuses China of trying to block U.S. visits to Taiwan. And finally, President Tsai warns China of potential countermeasures to the new Hong Kong security law. Taiwan on Wednesday announced the easing of border restrictions allowing students from 18 countries and regions to return to the nation, whether they are scheduled to graduate this year or not, according to the Ministry of Education. The 18 countries and regions are Vietnam, Hong Kong, Macau, Thailand, Palau, Australia, New Zealand, Brunei, Fiji, Mongolia, Bhutan, Laos, Cambodia, Malaysia, Singapore, Japan, South Korea, and Sri Lanka, the Ministry of Education said in a statement. Malaysia, Singapore, Japan, South Korea, and Sri Lanka were the latest five countries to be added to a list of 13 that originally only allowed graduating students to return to Taiwan. A total of 260 students have returned as of Tuesday, according to Ministry of Education statistics. According to the ministry, 63,000 foreign students were enrolled in Taiwanese universities and colleges as of the end of 2019. In response to reporters asking when new students will be allowed into the country, the MOE said a decision will be made at a later date after the current condition of returning students has been evaluated. The control yuan and examination yuan should be abolished as their seats are filled with fat cat patronage appointments for well-paying and cushy jobs, while some members have accepted teaching positions in China, raising national security concerns, said the Taiwan People's Party and New Power Party. The KMT has also called for them to be abolished. The DPP in past has supported the idea, but the DPP hasn't formally supported it in this legislative session or stated they don't support it. The DPP Speaker of the Legislature, Yoshi Kwan, has said he does support it on Facebook. A constitutional reform committee is slated to be convened in the next legislative session, which starts in September. Meanwhile, President Tsai's nominee for head of the executive yuan, I'm sorry, the, <laughs> the examination yuan, told lawmakers that he would support any effort to move the nation toward a sounder constitutional system, including abolishing the examination yuan if he were to be confirmed as its head. Taiwan's goal of joining the World Health Organization, as well as attending its annual World Health Assembly, remains unchanged despite the United States' decision to withdraw from the global health body, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs re reiterated on Thursday. Membership has long been a wish for the Taiwanese people and part of the government's efforts to promote the country's participation in international organizations, MOFA said in a statement.
The Ministry of Foreign Affairs commended the University of British Columbia for resuming its uh, academic autonomy after the school said it would refer to the nation as Taiwan instead of Taiwan province of China, as it had done in an annual report. The school said the mistake was inadvertently caused by a move to a standardized computer terminology and that it has implemented a fix. This story takes a humorous turn if a report in the Burrard Street Journal is to be believed. Their report reads, The government of Taiwan's official website has quietly changed its designation of British Columbia to a province of China. The change was spotted by users on Twitter who noticed that the Taiwanese government's foreign studies webpage now lists the University of British Columbia as UBC British Columbia province of China. I am, however, unclear unclear as to what Taiwan's official website refers to, so I wasn't able to confirm it. Pretty funny if it is true, though. Since Joseph Wu became foreign minister, humor has become part of Taiwan's foreign policy. All right, this was reported in the Taipei Times. Former President Ma ying called on critics of the so-called 1992 consensus to propose a feasible alternative and urged Beijing to accept the complete version of the consensus if it is to advocate it. What he's referring to is the KMT formulation of the 92 consensus, which is one China, each side with their own interpretation. China has never accepted that. In their formulation, it is only one China, period. Continuing with the article, recently the 1992 consensus has been a popular topic within the KMT, Ma said, calling the discussion a healthy sign of the party's willingness to reflect. While many people have said they want Beijing to face the reality of the Republic of China's existence, it would be impossible for Beijing to hold a press conference announcing that the Republic of China really exists, Ma said. Well, he's right about that. Ma said people who propose changing the 1992 consensus or oppose it should propose an equally feasible alternative plan. So he's referring to current KMT chair Johnny Chang and the Reform Committee, who are working to get the 92 consensus removed from official party policy in a party congress in September. In the meantime, the KMT should work to destigmatize the consensus, Ma said. Chinese President Xi Jinping's mention of the 1992 consensus in his speech on January 2 last year was a bit different from what we usually hear, Ma said. His comments in that speech gave President Tsai Ing-wen an opportunity to say that the consensus means one country, two systems, he said, adding that they had also had a great impact on the KMT's performance in the subsequent elections. The KMT must clarify that the consensus does not equal one country, two systems, he said. That's an odd thing to say. The KMT made a clear declaration saying exactly that after Xi's speech last year and has repeated it many times since. So, moving on. If the Chinese government is to advocate the 1992 consensus, it must be the complete 1992 consensus, Ma said, adding that without each side having its own interpretation, there was no one China and no consensus. Okay, well, this is also odd. As he said himself, it is impossible for them to acknowledge the Republic of China, which the each side implies. What is most interesting about his comments is his call for critics to come up with a feasible alternative 
and his acknowledgement of some of the problems the 1992 consensus faces. Many other elite figures in the party have staunchly defended the 92 consensus as is. There are some serious concerns with coming up with a feasible alternative, however. As the Taipei Times repeats ad nauseum, the 1992 consensus is a term former Mainland Affairs Council Su Qi in 2006 admitted making up in 2000. China has already stated that no 92 consensus, no more talks. It would be very hard to come up with a new formulation that is accepted by both China and Taiwanese voters. China will press for something stronger on the one China side, which Taiwanese simply won't accept. On Sunday, the day before his 85th birthday, the Dalai Lama said in a video message to his supporters in Taiwan that he would like to visit them again. On Monday, Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs said that the government had not received an application for the Dalai Lama to visit the country, but would welcome him at a time convenient for both sides. Independent legislator Freddie Lim said Wednesday that he has revived the Taiwan Parliamentary Group for Tibet and is urging the government to unequivocally support the idea of a visit. Lim said 46 lawmakers across party lines had joined the legislative group, which is seeking to strengthen ties between the Tibetan and Taiwanese people, provide support for Tibetans living in Taiwan, and work for international human rights groups to advance the Tibetan cause. The Dalai Lama visited Taiwan in 1997, 2001, and 2009, but has not done so since President Tsai took office in 2016. That makes hers the only presidency in modern times to not have such a visit. If he does come, she'll have to face the question of whether or not to meet with him personally or not. Of course, if she does, Beijing will respond angrily. Not that they could do much about it. On a side note, there are some Tibetans who do live in Taiwan, and I remember years ago there was a big problem in Taipei of Tibetan thugs who would hang out out front of Owl Bar and beat people up. Anyway, moving on. Federal Bureau of Investigation Director Christopher Wray made some interesting comments at the Hudson Institute the other day. Let's say China gets wind that some American official is planning to travel to Taiwan. Think a governor, a state senator, a member of Congress, Wray said. China does not want that to happen because that travel might appear to legitimize Taiwanese independence from China and legitimizing Taiwan would, of course, be contrary to China's one China policy. Among the sophisticated methods China is using to keep U.S. officials from visiting Taiwan are bribery, blackmail, and covert deals, he said. That can take the form of open, naked economic pressure and seemingly independent middlemen to push China's preferences on American officials to achieve its goals. Beijing, Ray said, has leverage over many constituents of American officials, including American companies academics, and members of the media, as all of them want to gain access to their Chinese partners and China's market. Thus, if an American official wants to visit Taiwan, Beijing may threaten to cut ties with a company from that official's home state by withholding permission for it to sell its products in China, forcing the company to pressure the official to change his or her plans. Other, more subtle tactics are also used, Ray said. China will work relentlessly to identify the people closest to the official, the people that official trusts most. 
China will then work to influence those people to act on China's behalf as middlemen to influence the official. Worst still, some of these intermediaries may not even realize they're being used as pawns because they too have been deceived. Ray said this malign foreign influence campaign targets Washington's policies 24-7, 365 days a year. President Tsai Ing-wen said that if necessary, her administration will consider countermeasures to the newly implemented rules under Hong Kong's national security law, which states that authorities there can ask Taiwanese political groups to provide evidence in the investigation of potential violators. Article 43 of the legislation empowers the Hong Kong Special Administrative Region to serve written notices to Taiwanese political organizations or individual agents to furnish information on their Hong Kong-related activities, including their personal particulars, uh, finances, assets, expenditure, and capital in the territory. Failure to comply or providing false or incomplete information can result in a fine of 100,000 Hong Kong dollars or imprisonment of six months or two years, respectively. Tsai said that Taiwan would keep a close watch on how the national security legislation is implemented in Hong Kong. The Democratic Progressive Party said that there was, quote, not a snowball's chance in hell that it would comply with the Chinese legislation. I'd like to give a shout out to Carlos, our latest patron on Patreon. Thank you very much for your support and the support of our other patrons. It is very much appreciated and will help keep this show going and growing. We put a lot of time and work into these shows and every bit of support is very helpful. All right, hit like and, and subscribe and all that good stuff and look forward to tomorrow. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw.